and welcome to Paid Media Coffee. I'm Kelly Mancuso, and today we're talking about the intersection of paid media and user experience, or UX. Today, I'm really excited because we are sharing the episode with Inbound 2020 attendees. So if that's how you found the podcast and you're new, welcome. We hope you enjoy. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back and thank you. So before we get started, I also just wanted to start with a quick disclaimer. My guests and I are recording all remotely from our own homes. So please excuse any awkwardness or audio irregularities that might occur. All right, now we can get started. So to help me with today's discussion, I brought in a few experts. First, we have Kale Olson. He is Nebo's VP of Interactive. Welcome to the show, Kale. Thanks, Kelly. Happy to be here. We also have Anna Swinier. She's a senior paid search manager. Welcome back. Thank you, Kelly. Hello, everyone. And we also have Brian Easter. He's a co-founder of Nebo. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you for having me, Kelly. All right, so let's just dive right in. You know, there are a lot of opportunities for paid media and UX to work together to really elevate each other. So I want to start with the why. Why do you all think the partnership between paid media and UX is such an important one? And Brian, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, so I would like for you to start. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. I do. And I'll try not to like make my uh, my your first question the entire podcast. It's something <laughs> I, I get really fired up about. You know, one of the things that UX and UXO people or CRO um, people uh, often don't understand is how media is bought. And I'm going to start a little bit, you know, on a smaller example. But, you know, if you just think about from a programmatic or a typical display buy or even a TV buy, the creative... The goal of that creative that you're buying on a CPM basis is to get the audience to take the next step. And whether that's clicking the ad to go to a landing page or picking up the phone or, you know, giving an email address. The point is that that buy, you just spent $2 million on this buy. If you have a 0.03% CTR on a display campaign, which is somewhat the norm. I think the last thing I read was 0.03 to 0.07. And that's what you get. You get the average you fine. You spent your $2 million. You drove some people to a landing page, you know, no biggie. But if you can make that first touch point a 0.1 or a 0.2 CTR, um, you've just effectively tripled your budget. You've just taken out $2 million and you just turned it into six. And then they land on a landing page, for example, from this display buy you just spent $2 million on. And if UX and paid are in sync and they're, they're doing the tango, so to speak, and the messaging, the user experience, all the expectations are aligned. And the conversion rate on that landing page goes from 2% to 2.5% or 2% to 3%. You've actually just added another 50% to 100% to your budgets. At the end of the day, we're in, a, we're in a place and time where customer experience is everything. We need to be meeting people on their own terms. We need to be helping them. We need to be taking friction away and helping cu- customers uh, you know, do the things that they want to do and need to do. We need to be easier to work with. And too often, paid and UX or UXO, they don't really um, come together unless it's at a conversion point. So the math is easy, but there's also big reasons for these two to really be tied at the hip and, and, and be aligned from the strategy from the top down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we tend to collaborate a lot more in those one-offs and and look at things in a silo. But, you know, you mentioned the money part of it, especially now where a lot of ad budgets are being cut. And um, also, you know, user behaviors are changing too. And the way that we're interacting with media is just with the uh, 
current climate. So it's really important to make sure that we have that omni-channel strategy and, and look at things the whole way through. Kale or Anna, do you guys have anything to add there? You know, as an advertiser, I think about how our landscape has changed ultimately. You know, in the past, people couldn't escape that quote unquote ad experience. You know, if you wanted to watch a program, you had to sit there and listen to a commercial or watch a commercial. And then if you're in the radio, if you're in the car driving around and you want to listen to the radio, you had to listen to these ads. Mm -hmm. And there weren't these ad-free streaming services that we have today. And that's just something that's at the constant, you know, top of my mind when I'm thinking about creating ads is, you know, people now have a choice. They have an option to skip a YouTube ad if they want to. They um, have an option to apply ad blockers. They can pay for these ad-free experiences if they choose to. Um, so this all ties back into this control that users have now when they see an ad. So for me, there is an, an expectation uh, from an advertiser standpoint to be relevant, to make sure that that ad experience for them is exactly what they want to see because they have the option to turn it off if they want to. So mm -hmm. this pressure for me is really what resonates with this conversation that we're having between paid media and UX. You know, how does that really come together? Paid media has an abundance of audience insights. You know, we're able to see what that person is searching for at that moment. We're able to see demographics on that person. We're able to know, you know, what they're looking to buy based off in-market touch points. We can see, you know, what content they're reading about right at that moment. So there's a lot of these little touch points and signals that we have on the paid media side that we could then provide to the UX team to really make that a holistic experience from not only using that campaign targeting strategy that paid media knows so well and we're so good at honing in on, but how can we then take it a step further and make that ad experience as relevant as possible? Um, that's what I'm really excited about to talk about today. Anna, I'm going to jump in real quick because you just said something that's amazing. Because paid media people are so good at what they do by and large. And because the technology is there, what sort of happened over time is we've lost that golden age of advertising where we had to really earn uh, our audience's trust and attention because of targeting so good. You mm -hmm. know, so what we've seen is less interesting ads, less thought through or poor quality creative campaigns as it comes to display and these other things. So because the targeting options are so granular, advertisers haven't put as much time and energy as they need to into creating a experience that the audience deserves. And if you look at some of the best campaigns, especially, you know, going back for a few years, those commercials, those ads, a lot of times they added value to your life. They weren't just noise uh, versus somebody just targeting you because, you know, you happen to have certain demographics and psychographic characteristics. Yeah. Kale, what are your thoughts? So yeah, I think Brian and Anna, you both had some really awesome points about that. And I'll just add a couple uh, sort of from my own experience. Um, one of those is that user experience is inherently a really data-hungry practice, right? We want to we want to make really informed decisions, and we want to make those decisions from you know our, our users' perspective. And there's a tremendous untapped resource, I think, in all that data and optimization that's happening within the paid media ecosystem that typically isn't brought into, you know, interactive or creative projects as frequently as other types of research. You know, so your typical personas or uh, Google Analytics referencing that kind of data. 
But, you know, there's, there's tremendously not, uh, or typically not a lot of conversation between a paid media team and a user experience team uh, when it comes to actually creating the, the digital experience that, you know, we're all working towards. So I think that's, that's something that's really interesting both from our side, but also reflects on the client side where more often than not, we're in a situation where, you know, the person sort of sponsoring a web project is really not all that closely aligned in terms of goals sometimes with their paid media team, uh, whether that's, you know, internal or it's another agency. And, and that's sort of an interesting friction that can kind of get resolved by looking at, you know, sort of the underlying uh, goal conditions of whatever it is that we're working on. We can find a way to sort of synergize together uh, and, and really, you know, build some interesting connections between those data points and the experience that we ultimately want to build. Kel, I think you're magic, but you just said the word synergize. So you're going <laughs> to, I'm going to uh, ding you a couple points on that one in my mental score for you. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, yeah, we talked a little bit about, you know, the that siloed approach and how paid media and UX collaborate, but not as they should. So let's dive more into that. You know, where are you all seeing that paid media and UX are working together most often? And Anna, I want to throw it over to you to start with this one. I think in terms of messaging, paid media and UX are really working together hand in hand. You know, we talk a lot about the buyer journey and how can we message that person when they're going through all phases, all the way from awareness down to conversion, past post-purchase, all the way through brand loyalty. We are working together on those fronts, prospecting versus remarketing, you know, making sure that we are touching those people differently and talking to them differently and looking at the site and the content that's already there and where we can send them. And I know we're definitely going to dive further into that as well, but I do think that paid media and UX do a solid approach of looking at the content that exists and how can we apply that to our campaigns now. I think a really great thing that paid media and UX does right now is taking a step back, looking at the content and how can we tailor our campaigns and our strategy based on this, what the site currently has. Um, you know, even looking at not just content on the site, but how the channels might be differently as well. So, you know, search ad copy is going to be extremely different than the way that we would speak to a user with a Facebook ad. And we're able to pull content from the site and different things that are already there based off of where that user is from a cross-channel perspective. So I think that we do a really great job from that standpoint, just looking at content and seeing how we can tailor it differently based off of where the user is and what we already know about them. Yeah, Anna, I think that's really interesting because you know you talk about these common principles and approach to building a paid media strategy. And I think as paid media advertisers, a lot of times you think like those are just common sense things, but they're, you know, UX principles, even if we're not actually thinking about it when we're developing the paid media strategy. So, you know, those things are very intertwined, even if you're not actually going to your UX team and, and working hand in hand, you know, you're still applying those same principles. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, part of paid media and, you know, UX and all of digital marketing in general is the constant optimization process, right? So, you know, taking a step back and looking at, you know, what new content on the site do we have? You know, how can we use that with maybe new ad types, um, new ad extensions, things like that. Those are things that we're already doing. And like you said, Kelly, it might seem like uh, that's an obvious statement to make, but that is how we are currently using paid media and UX. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that's the convergence that we have today. It's just more of where can we go from here? Mm-hmm. 
Kel obviously can speak to this a lot better than I can, but when you're typically designing a customer experience, whether that's a mobile app, uh, a kiosk, um, you know, in-store display, website, whatnot, uh, we tend to start from the top down. It's like this linear thing, especially when it comes to like digital design. And you're looking at it from a standpoint of like somebody enters a site and they go to a secondary page, tertiary page, you know, so forth and so on. Um, paid looks at it almost from the opposite, you know, a lot of times it's like, okay, here's my conversion point. What do people need to do to get to this conversion point? And typically paid media looks at it from a perspective of, Hey, here's sort of this funnel, here's upper, then mid, then lower, so forth and so on. Bringing these two schools of thought together so that everybody's looking at both these perspectives and also looking at all the other touch points that we don't control will elevate both crafts, frankly, in my opinion. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. And you know, looking at this question as you know, where does it kind of happen now, and not where should it be happening? One of the things that we're constantly trying to push past is this sort of what I think of as a layered, as opposed to an integrated approach to either, you know, sort of a, a paid media first uh, conversation or a UX first conversation. In which case, you know, strategy, tactics, everything is laid out by either the paid media team or the UX team, and then the other services sort of layered on top. So, you know, you have a campaign that's built out around really sound paid media uh, strategies and, you know, a, a lot of background information that's available to that team and, you know, the successes that they've had, the optimization work that they've done. And then when it comes time to create, you know, the landing page or other conversion experience, there's sort of a, a layer of UX applied to that, you know, almost like just from a visual perspective. And then I think the inverse is also true sometimes where, you know, we're building a, a website or an application or something like that. And we might get a little bit of input at some point in that process from the paid media team. But it stays in those sort of separate layers where, you know, you get the benefits of both. But what it's really missing are sort of those emergent properties that can come from, you know, a really integrated experience where, you know, one plus one doesn't just equal two, it equals three or four. Because you're starting to build sort of those relationships between the teams, you're starting to make more connections between the insights that each can offer. And you end up with something, you know, more than just the sum of its parts. That's a really interesting point, you know, that you're making, Kale, that it is this layered approach, this one plus one two plus three plus four. And it's hard when you're trying to keep that momentum moving forward and also restructuring the wheel at the same time. You know, we know that we need to be more integrated, but what's going to force us to take a step back and really reassess the strategies there. And I think something that we haven't touched on yet uh, that I think is really important to call out is to me, the biggest industry shift that we've talked about in the past three to five years that has really forced UX and paid media to work better together is the mobile experience. That's something that hit all of us by storm. You know, we saw mobile pages acting differently. We saw users coming in from this whole new device and they were, you know, on the go. They needed quick content fast. And that was the first time in my experience where we were all learning it together. So by default, we were all working together. We were for the first time, you know, what have you learned? What have you seen? You know, paid media started coming out with mobile final URLs and all these different things were changing and site speeds were becoming so much bigger of an issue um, or not an issue, but I should say more of an opportunity to improve the user experience. And so it, it's interesting how you say that because yes, typically we do have a layered approach, but it's very, it's very interesting when the industry shifts kind of force us to come together. And then we haven't really implemented that across our strategies yet. 
Yeah, that's a great point. There's different expectations, different UX, different paid uh, approaches to mobile. But reality is that the campaigns that we have had the most success on, and I'm sure successful, and I'm sure other uh, marketers as well, have looked beyond just paid and digital and uh, looked at it and said, what is the true customer journey? You know, if you are watching a television commercial, you go into the store, you see the display, you go home, you get a, an ad for that, uh, that box of cereal, you do something on social. You know, as a human, you don't divide yourself into like paid, earned, and owned. You're experiencing a brand on your own terms. And that, to me, that is the magic of UX and paid working together to really better understand that buyer journey or the million buyer journeys that people are having and create experiences that empower the consumer versus um, chase the consumer or not respect the consumer in terms of where they're at and where they want to be in terms of the brand versus consumer relationship. Yeah, definitely. And that goes back to just your brand perception in general. You know, if you have all these disconnected touch points, it's going to confuse users and, you know, they're going to not respect you as a brand as much. So definitely think that's important. Um, Let's talk about preference testing. Brian, I know that you have a lot of thoughts on that. And that's, you know, a pretty common way where paid media and UX are working together. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks, Kelly. So, yeah, I mean, I know what's sort of been implied here, especially from a UX and paid media is like, hey, we we do a lot on landing pages. We do a lot on conversion points, checkout, leads forms, so forth and so on. But there's other things that are a little bit less known, but still work. And a lot of advertisers are doing and they're doing well. You know, preference testing... Without nerding out, and I apologize, I'm going to have to nerd out for a second. We have UX and UXO, user experience optimization versus CRO, is that a lot of CRO is done in a way that uh, isn't statistically valid. If you run a test and you're saying, I need 300 conversions or I need 300 responses and uh, to get a statistically relevant answer, 175 choose A, 125 choose B, you think you've got a winner, then you rerun the test and it's the exact opposite. The problem with that is you can't control for the number of variables. You're not controlling for a device. You're not controlling for whether at the buyer journey or the existing customer or recent customer. You, there's probably any t- anywhere between 10 to 15 variables going on at any given time. So that 300 conversions now needs to be 300,000 conversions uh, to get a statistically valid answer, and it's not possible. But that's one of the beauties of preference testing. Um, and preference testing is something that the UX team and the creative teams have done for a long time. They isolate the variables. They show one design A and design B to a certain group of users in a very controlled environment. But through preference testing, you can isolate the variables and then inform your marketing programs, whether that's a hero image on a landing page, whether that's a certain mobile experience, whether that is some type of key message or something that's going to be an ad. Um, and Kel, I'd love for you to dig into this a little bit more and talk about the pros and cons of preference testing, because I think it's something that marketers do, but they probably could do more of. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the preference testing piece is something that like you said, has been a little bit of a, a creative discipline strong point for a while that the, the, the paid side has potentially been overlooking as a solution. And and it's definitely one of those opportunities for us to sort of align and work together on things. Um, For us, it's a fantastic way of looking at sort of a paid campaign or a general approach to content within, uh, you know, within a campaign and get a kind of high level understanding of how that actually works and plays out and is received by, uh, you know, people and humans, the users on the other side of the screen 
who you know are going to actually be the ones interacting with it. The thing I can think of most recently was something that we did about COVID, and you know part of the question there was knowing that this is now uh, a concern, something that we're all dealing with. It's part of our daily reality. Does including that in messaging and in imagery do something to sort of assuage the fears that people may have about that situation in regard to our client uh, who works in a COVID-sensitive industry? Or is it something that, you know, introducing that information into an otherwise unintentionally void place, you know, there's, there's normally not that COVID appearance, there's no masks, the messaging doesn't mention it. Does injecting that sort of bring up more problems than it solves. Um, and, you know, in that test, it gave us a really interesting way of evaluating what this makes people think about. And in that specific instance for this specific client, you know, the thought going in was, we want to show that we care. We want to show that we're keeping people safe. We want to show that we're on top of trends. There were fears a little bit about some of the politics of it and whether that would be a factor. But at the end of the day, what we got out of it was, it's not so much the politics of it, it's just that it brings it up for people. It makes mm-hmm. people think about this thing that they're concerned about. Yeah, it's the reality. Yeah, and it drives them down these alleys of like, now I'm actually assessing the you know the marketing or the promotional imagery that you've created. I'm looking at that and I'm now thinking about it through like my own check boxes of what I've heard are best practices and are you following those and why isn't everyone wearing a mask? And it doesn't look like these people are social distancing and like, it sort of starts to draw out a lot more problems than it solves. So, you know, what was initially this idea that was, you know, sort of conceived of as being entirely positive, you know, went through a short round of focus grouping. Everybody thought it was awesome. When we just do a slightly larger group of preference testing, it, it becomes pretty obvious immediately that, you know, like, this is probably not the direction that we want to go down for a reason that nobody really perceived in the first place. Yeah, and Kel, that's a great point. Um, I do want to make a clarification on something I said earlier and then, uh, kick it back to you, or Anna. The uh, <laughs> it's not that I'm against um, UXO or CRO testing on the side. I am, but I think where we need to be more disciplined as marketers, and this is another great reason to bring UX in, is that we isolate the variables enough so that we know the answer we're getting is statistically valid and is in UX best practice. I've just seen too many tools. I talked about it earlier when Anna was mentioning all the levers and buttons they could push from a paid media perspective. There's some really great UX and CRO tools. Unfortunately, some of those tools don't teach the statistical rigor or enforce the statistical rigor that you might need to truly get the best answer uh, and the right answer from whatever test that you're running. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is the mentality where a lot of user experience practitioners have this m- idea of iterative improvement and prototyping from the very first thing that starts. So it's it's almost like we get input naturally at every step of the process. So if we're working through an information architecture, we want to get input from users or customers or audience members by way of a card sorting exercise or a design thinking exercise. And then we'll put that into an IA and maybe work that into a navigation and do a little bit of usability testing. And then we'll get a couple page designs together or work with a content team to get some messaging and do some preference testing at that point. Further down the line, we kind of continue that process to the point where we have a complete prototype. And before that goes off and we do the work of engineering everything to actually bring this thing to life, we want to test it in you know, a, a medium fidelity mode, make improvements, test it in a high fidelity mode, test it again, move that into a design so that now we have something that's sort of you know, final, completely improved upon, and confirm our findings there. And I think that that approach is you know, sort of providing Uh, a little bit of a solution to what you're talking about, which is to say, you don't have to put all of your work 
into learning after something's done. You can learn about something that you're doing while you're doing it. It just takes, you know, the doing of it a little bit longer. But with a very, you know, prototype driven and sort of that that Kaizen mentality that you talked about earlier, it can be something that's done in a very sort of agile, lean way. Kel, that's why I think paid media and UX are so meant to be together forever, because what you just talked about, and Anna could really dive into this, Anna's relentlessly optimizing, you know, her paid media uh, clients for that same mentality, but just from a different Mm -hmm. angle. Anna, I don't know if you want to dive into anything about how, you know, you approach optimizing campaigns and being more relevant for users. Yeah. And, you know, what I'm really excited about for us to be talking about today is what, how we can expand this, what we can do more of, you know, taking what we've learned from a paid media side and optimizing and learning about the long-term approach of UX and how to learn as we go and how do we gain those insights that we know, hey, we touched this point and it made this change. And that's what I'm really excited to talk about today. How can we better inform each other and how can we make that user experience as valuable as valuable as possible while still gaining those learnings. I think a lot of the paid media mindset too, in general, is you always want to be the first. You see that new ad type or that new beta and you just want to go for it. And that's something that paid media has to be aware of. You know, we can't just jump at the bit to every new ad type. We have to make sure that it's aligned with our strategy and our testing and that we will gain these valuable insights as we're moving forward and working with UX and letting them know this is, I'm tweaking this here. I'm seeing really great results. I'm seeing positive results coming to the site. Like, what are you seeing on your end? And really having that conversation is just going to elevate a website and that user experience more than we've ever seen before. Yeah. And I think something that's kind of frustrating too, from the paid media side of things, like we do test a lot, right? But our platforms are inherently set up to kind of take that testing into their own hands. So Google or Facebook or whatever it might be, you know, we launch two ads and it will automatically start optimizing for what it thinks is the best performer. So it's not really easy on our end to, you know, isolate those variables and make things true one-to-one tests. So I think that's where we can definitely collaborate a little bit more and leverage some of the tools and concepts and approaches that UX does in order to get more statistical significance in our tests. Yeah. And I know, um, Kale, feel free to jump in here as well. But recently, we've been working on a client uh, that has been working on a site redesign. And they've been really excited about the site redesign. They've really been talking to us, keeping us in the loop uh, about you know when they're doing their launches, what they're tweaking. And what we were able to do on our end is look at it from a paid media perspective and say, hey, you're making a lot of changes on the site and we just don't want to send all of your paid media dollars to brand new pages without testing them first. And part of that goes into what you were just talking about, Kelly, was we know there's limitations on our side. So we were able to work with UX, develop a cohesive testing strategy where we could gain findings quicker and be able to act on them faster while working with the client and ramping up their site. Yeah, I think one of the things that is really exciting about the paid media approach to optimization and testing is there's there's this inherent nature to plan for testing. Like you all go into a campaign with multiple ideas and you know that you're going to execute on at least one of them. And I feel like a lot of the time from sort of the, the interactive approach is we know that for launch, we need to whittle things down to just one of a page. If we're going to have a landing page, we're going to have page A. And that's that's the one that you know performed best in usability testing or something like that. So that's what goes live. 
And what's, what's sort of unique about adopting that paid media approach is basically saying, no, we, we don't need to just launch with one page. We can launch with multiple variations of different important pages and use testing immediately after launch to sort of power those optimizations and start making learnings that are happening in the real world. Because while, while usability testing is a fantastic tool, it definitely doesn't account for all of the actual real interactions that are going on where people are using the website, they're coming in from paid ads or organic search terms, their landing pages may not be what's set up in the, you know, the initial usability tests. So there's, there's a huge benefit, I think, to that approach of being really open-minded and sort of future-forward about the opportunities for testing. And I think that's, that's sort of something that we're seeing with this client is this option to say, you know, hey, let's, let's approach the launch of this new uh, portion of your experience with a test-first mentality. You know, we know that the new page should be great, and we expect that it may outperform the existing page, but... Let's make sure that it does in reality, not just in a focus group or in a usability test. And I think that's something that we could bring, uh, you know, across the industry to a, a wide variety of, of different experiences. You know, I do think we need to be taking a Kaizen approach to everything we do, whether it's an interactive experience, whether it's a kiosk, whether it's in-store, whether it's social, whether it's paid, and just continuously improve. And one of the disconnects for a lot of uh, creative interactive projects is they are approached as a one and done. I'm building a building, once I'm done with the building, I leave. Maybe every now and then I change the blinds or change the carpet, but you're building something that's a finite thing versus looking as a living, breathing, you know, entity that needs to continue to grow and has a life cycle. And I love the fact of what you're bringing up. There is a fallacy that humans have of like a yes, no, zero, one mentality is either or. And a lot of times it doesn't have to be either or. You know, going through, we've seen people get stuck on, you know, this design or that design. And the reality is, it's like, hey, we can go faster if we say yes, both. We'll do both. Let's build a plan to implement both, test both, learn from both. And the reality is, it's not also one works or one doesn't work. Sometimes one works uh, because some of the assumptions that we're making in one scenario might be, you know, a more informed or lower funnel customer. And maybe another approach works because we're thinking through a higher funnel, uh, less informed customer. And if you expand that to like e-commerce, you know, the, this, this build it and it's a building mentality really hurts the uh, continuous improvement uh, mentality because you have a checkout page, you have a product detail page. Those tend to be relatively static and not dynamic. They tend to be a, a product detail page for a returning customer frankly, should be different than somebody that's never heard of your brand and this is their first experience. So there's so much room to elevate, not only in our individual crafts, but as, as paid media and UX. Like I've always said they are meant to be together. They're meant to like learn from each other and push each other. Um, there's just so much here. I think we could make this like a 10-hour podcast, but <laughs> nobody would ever listen. Yeah, and Brian, on, on that note, you know, I think we've kind of already started talking about where we should be working together and more. So... Let's explore that a little bit more um, specifically. And Kale, I want to hand it over to you to talk about you know some of the specific ways that you think that paid media and UX should be working more together and why. Yeah, so I mean, to me, one of the, the first places to start is really with communication and making sure that the teams are aware of common goals and you know really kind of building a mentality that is you know cross functional across their teams as well as any other teams that are involved because it's usually not just a UX team and a paid 
team on a project and making sure that everybody is really aware of, you know, what, what the benefits can be of working together and what that process should look like. Um, so every team is a little bit different. The way a UX team works and communicates may be very different than the way a paid media team works and communicates, but they may also be really similar. They may benefit just from having a conversation about how they work together, but to me, the first big step there is making sure that they're aware what those common goals are. What is sort of the underlying victory condition here for us? And sometimes that's something that even needs to be communicated to the client side. And, and we sort of need to generate buy-in in the idea that, you know, hey, if we're going to be building the best web experience for you, we really need to get your paid media team on board as part of this project. You know, we know that they're not typically working with your web team internally, but part of the reason that you brought us in is to sort of shake things up and give you all an experience that, you know, hasn't been built for you before. So part of the way that we want to do that is by being a little bit more cross-functional in our approach and making sure that we focus on the business metrics that are going to drive your success as a stakeholder so that it's easy for you to sell that collaboration, you know, and the additional time that's going to be taken from people's schedules uh, as sort of, again, that emergent property. You're going to get way more out of this than you're going to put into it if we can get everybody sort of on the same page together. So to me, building that sort of foundation of communication and understanding is absolutely critical and is really sort of pivotal for whether these projects that, uh, you know, attempt to integrate the two are successful or not. Yeah, Kale, I think that that's a great point in starting that conversation and having those discussions in the beginning and aligning teams is huge uh, because I think a lot of what paid media looks at is our reporting, right? Like paid media is all about reporting our monthly reports, our weekly reports. Uh, how can we improve those metrics? But ultimately improving a CPC all the way down to improving a CPA, that is helping everyone. And with UX working together and all these teams coming together, the paid media side, the organic side, everyone coming together, ultimately, all those efficiencies are going to improve. Ultimately, we see click-through rate, we see our CPCs, we see clicks, impressions. That's what first grabs us. And that's what we've learned day one, how to optimize and where to go from there, whether it's placing negatives, doing placements or exclusions, all those things. You know, that's what we've learned from day one, because we don't know what's going on from the site side of things. We don't know what new pages are coming down the line. We don't know the full end approach of things. So what happens is paid media tends to be adaptive. And so we see our landing pages switch and then we just react instead of being proactive and trying to work on those efficiencies in the very beginning. Um, and so it just makes it really easy for advertisers to forget what happens post-click because we're working in this we see something, we have to pivot and switch and fix things. And that's not the mindset that we should be having, um, especially because paid media channels like Google and Facebook and all the things that we've been talking about, they favor that positive user experience. They want us to work together. They want, you know, if somebody's seeing an ad, they want them to engage with it and they want them to have a positive experience because that's going to ultimately affect their own brand perception, right? You know, we get favored on Google if we have a high landing page experience, if we have really strong ad relevancy, that all those factors go into our quality score. And if we're able to work on those better together and improve on them, I mean, everyone's going to reap the benefits of it. So that's definitely something that I think as paid media advertisers and experts, and as we're working through these optimizations, that's that fruit at the top of the tree that we're all trying to achieve. Um, and, you know, working together in tandem is what's really going to get that for us. 
And I'm going to be a little bit mean to you right now. And I'm going to be mean to Kelly. I think there's too many times I've been in client meetings or, or we're talking about campaigns where you guys accept what you can't control because it's uncomfortable to have that conversation, whether it's with another agency or with another department at Nebo or with a client's internal team. The reality is a lot of times we accept the things we can't control. You're like, yeah, I don't really like this page, but I think it's the best page I can drive them to given my choices of pages versus having an uncomfortable conversation of like, hey, I don't think any of these experiences are the right, you know, the right experience. We need to be able to, to Kel's point earlier, be able to be more transparent with our um, other stakeholders, whether that's clients, other agencies, other departments, uh, so that we can all have better conversations. You also would look at some of the other complexities. So, for example, with interactive or creative um, projects that Kel or the creative team sometimes works on, those are typically CapEx. Those are usually one-time projects that are funded out of a specific budget, where marketing a lot of times is out of OPEX. And those two budgets because they're funded different ways, it also makes it harder for the stakeholders to come together and have conversations so both can be elevated. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think a lot of times on the paid media side, we don't, you know, I'm touching this a little bit before, but we don't know what's going on on the other side of things. And that does make it very difficult when we tend to lean in on, okay, well, these are the options that we have from landing pages or content on site. What can we use this for? And, or how can we best use the content that we already have available instead of rethinking that strategy and saying, these are the targeting opportunities that we have in paid media. How can we best serve the client and the user experience in partnering with UX? You know, what, instead of looking at it from these are our options, maybe it's more of thinking a mentality of, you know, what out of the endless possibilities that we can do in UX and paid media targeting, what would best serve and drive that, like you said earlier, conversion rate to be triple or, you know, drive down that CPA, you know, how can we really impact those metrics? What you just said touches the nerve and drives me crazy because you'll have somebody literally come to you and say, hey, I've got a $2 million per month marketing budget. I just spent a half million dollars on a new customer experience for site, mobile, email, whatever. And then they come to you and they say, I've got $2,500 for display content. And $2,500 for display ads, you're not going to be able to put the time, the love, the energy to really make that cohesive and be worth earning that person's trust or attention. Too little budget and too little time has uh, sometimes is spent on trying to earn that click or earn that phone call. And all the money is put into the media and to the build experience, not the glue that connects them. Oh, yeah. And there are so many times, too, that I see in like retargeting strategies, for example, where people are just driving people back to the same page that they were targeted off of, you know, oh, they hit this page. So let's drive them back there because they didn't convert. And then let's drive them back there again, because they didn't convert again. And when you think about it as a user, that doesn't make sense at all. You know, that page didn't uh, provide the value that it needed to the first time. So why would it provide value the second or third or fourth time? So with paid media today, I think and addressable media in general, we have such sophisticated platforms. We really can develop this holistic omni-channel strategy from the first impression on one channel to maybe the first site visit on another and even the conversion touch point that may have came from another channel. And so looking at the paid media strategy holistically and from a user experience 
standpoint is just as important as then translating that to the the user's experience on the website and how they've interacted with the brand on both ends, you know, from an from an advertising perspective and from a website and offline perspective too. Okay, so we've talked a lot about why it's important to have user experience and paid media collaborating, where they do tend to work together currently and where there's opportunities to work together better. Um, Now I want to talk about where we go from here. You know, how can we break down those barriers and silos? And let's talk about actionable things that we can do. So Kelly, I'll jump in on this one. Um, I think we covered a lot of it in the last question. I mean, to Kel's point, it's about breaking down uh, the communication barriers. You know, it's, it's understanding and being empathetic and sympathetic to uh, our clients and to all the stakeholders. Understanding where budget pressures come from. Um, that you know, there may be some things funded in one place or another. But at the end of the day, I think it really boils down, in my view, to saying. Let's get aligned on goals. Let's understand all of these campaigns are elevated and let's get more of the right people in the room. And at the very least, I think one question, if, if I were starting a new paid media campaign with a client, I would probably in my discovery uh, questions say, hey, who owns UX? Who owns a creative experience? Who owns you know, other channels that I'm not collaborating with? And what can I do so I can have regular communication with them so that we can elevate all of the touch points, because that's really what we're trying to do. And and by asking those questions early, you know that say, you know, Jim over here and Sarah over here, they own various touch points. And I know how to reach them and talk to them and saying, hey, I just saw this brilliant outdoor campaign you guys did. Let's talk about how we can do pull through optimizations based on, you know, your outdoor campaign and how that would connect to social or paid search or some of these other things. And, And to Kel's point earlier, you know, going back from a like a build standpoint, whether it's a mobile app or in-store kiosk or, you know, something like a voice experience or even a website, thinking through it like where does paid media interact with this and what are some of the levers they can pull? So really in that discovery as you're onboarding a new client, having purposeful questions to better understand the landscape and who controls what and then having purposeful touch points, whether that's monthly or quarterly, all agency or all stakeholder meetings so that the left hand and the right hand know what they're doing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had a lot of success at Nebo with all agency meetings or, you know, having those meetings with clients and each of their different departments that are in charge of different areas. I think that's just an easy way to streamline the communication and at least get those conversations going. And a lot of times we'll see unique ideas pop up because we're sharing those insights and sharing strategies that, you know, otherwise we may have never come up with. Yeah. And, you know, I even venture to go even before that step of all agency meetings and just the educational aspect of it in general. And we touched on it a little bit of paid media and UX and, you know, we want to work together, but there's this internal conflict of, well, I'm a little hesitant because I don't really know what's going on on that side, right? Like sometimes I'll look at a campaign and I'll be like, man, like, yeah, I'm, I'm have geo keywords in my campaign. I would love to dynamically shift this page based off of where this person is, but to be fully transparent, how much of an LOE is that? I don't know because I'm not the expert in that field and it's breaking down those barriers and starting to have that educational aspect to it. And that confidence 
to just bring up the idea and just ask, just say, hey, this is this might be a shot in the dark, but is this even possible? Is this even feasible for us to do? And those are those kind of conversations that, you know, make one-time projects build upon those. And you, know, you can work together more and you can really just dive into using the targeting features of paid media for their full capability. And a lot of times too, I know um, at Nebo, we have a lot of lunch and learns and a lot of um, opportunities to learn about the future of what's coming in, in the paid media world, especially. And Brian, you touched on, you know, who are those people that should be in the room? Well, I think having UX in the room too is now a huge stepping stone because a lot of times, you know, it's learning to collaborate and trying to figure out those, how to bridge those gaps. And sometimes, you know, when new targeting features come across, we would like to use them with our clients. We just don't know if it's possible. And it's that huge question mark in the room. Um, And starting to have those conversations together, I think will really escalate this relationship that we're talking about. I think there's really three important pieces to making sure that you can kind of get a start at making this kind of integration happen. Um, One of the first things is starting small. You know, don't pick a huge project to do this on, or if all you have are huge projects, pick a portion of it to start making this kind of integration happen uh, so that, you know, your teams can work together in a little bit more of a comfortable space without putting so much on the line, without driving your project managers crazy. The second piece of it, which I think Anna spoke to really well, is getting the right people involved. Um, Everyone has different personalities, everyone has different working styles, but getting a team that's really open to sort of new ideas, working together with different people, and that's comfortable sort of sharing potentially their own insecurities about things. You know, I think, Anna, you were, you, you really kind of called that out of, you know, hey, I'm not really an expert in, in this thing. And so I sort of understand that what I'm asking for may be next to impossible, but is it? And I think the same thing is true from a UX side. There's a lot of people that are like, you know, hey, I see all these retargeting ads all the time and I feel like we could do a better job there, but I don't really know what's involved. So making sure that you get a team together that is generally excited and optimistic about taking on new projects, working with new people and sort of expanding their own knowledge base is really, really critical. Otherwise, that project is basically going to shut itself down. Um, And then I think the the third and most important thing is making sure that the client is involved. Um, And I think, you know, the all agency meetings and things like that are a great opportunity uh, because at the end of the day, it's also not just the client. Other vendors are going to need to be knowing, you know, that this is happening as well. They may have input that's also beneficial or, you know, that could be uh, utilized in some capacity. But to me, you know, checking those sort of three boxes of starting small, getting the right team involved, and then, you know, iterating and involving other teams, that's going to be huge. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Kale, Anna, Brian, thank you all so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kelly, for being an awesome podcast host and uh, for allowing me to be on the uh, podcast again. Um, but before everybody else says thank you, do you know why paid media people and UX people hate trampolines? <laughs> why is that? Somebody, anybody have a guess? It's got to have something to do with high bounce rates. <laughs> exactly. So, sorry, Kelly, I had to end the show with a bad joke. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you as well, Kelly. I'm so happy to be here today. Yeah, thanks so much, Kelly. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, listeners, if you have any questions or recommendations for topics that you'd like us to talk about in the future, please let us know. You know, we want to make sure that we're covering the things that interest you the most. So you can email us at paidmediacoffee at neboagency.com or you can send us a DM on Twitter at paidmediacoffee. 
And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating or a view wherever you listen. All right. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you next time.